This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. Today, we're going to talk about adopting a spirit of continuous improvement. It's something we've been talking about a lot at Family Church this year. As we always say, we do not have it all figured out. We are still learning, and we want to learn with you. I'm here with our communications director, Leslie Bennett. And Leslie, talk to our listeners about what we mean when we say continuous improvement. Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, the dictionary definition is an ongoing effort to make incremental improvements to products, services, or processes over time. I think a layperson's definition is just having this mindset that is always asking, how can we make this better? So continuous improvement is really a business term, but it translates well into the church, especially when you think about what our product is, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, our product, if you will, is the gospel of Jesus. And so our constant question is how are we going to more effectively use the resources we have to deliver the gospel of Jesus effectively to more and more people? And, you know, as we look at family church, we have some really, really smart people, business people in our church Mm -hmm. who run large businesses for profit. And uh, these guys and and ladies know exactly how much effort goes into making an extra penny on the dollar. And if they work hard to sell whatever widget it is that they make, whatever product they sell, we should work even harder because our product is infinitely more valuable than anything that can be sold for money. And our reward is infinitely greater than money here on earth. And so uh, we need to be working as hard as anyone does to continuously improve. And so I wanted our team at Family Church to take a look at the things that we're doing and ask ourselves, is what we're doing sustainable? And is it really going to help us reach our goal of planting 100 neighborhood churches? Is what we're doing going to really facilitate taking the gospel to every resident in South Florida? And so, Leslie, you know, we just struggle with that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think this will be true for our listeners, too, regardless of what your setting is, uh, how large your organization or your church is, or whether it's rural, suburban, exurban, urban, whatever it is. All of us need to be asking that question, how can we continuously improve our product, uh, not our product, but our processes in getting the gospel to people and making disciples? Yeah, so we just took some time this past year, like you said, Jimmy, and we were just intentional about it. I think as we learned through this process, it's something we're going to keep doing. But this year, we really learned how to do that. We did have some help. We had a business leader from our church come alongside and help us with that and assess where we were at and help us identify some things. And so as we've learned a lot about this process, we just wanted to share it with our listeners because we feel like it's something that a church of any size can do. You don't really need a consultant to do it. You don't have to bring somebody in, you can just work through these steps yourselves with your team, with your team of volunteers, paid staff, BIVO staff, whoever you, right, have, whatever you have, and decide how can we look to continuously improve what we're doing to bring the gospel to more and more people. Yeah, and I love that too. That's what the whole idea is of church for the rest of us, isn't it? That we are trying to say, look, these are things that any of us could do with the church that we we have with the resources that we have in order to do what God's called us to do where we're called to do it. So let's just kind of walk through these things. And some of our listeners, you maybe you guys take notes on this stuff. I don't know. You're riding in the car. I don't know. But 
let me just share it was seven seven ideas that Leslie and I put together as we're thinking about how to do continuous improvement in a church of any size. Number one, we learned how to identify our customer, Mm -hmm. identify our customer. And so at Family Church, we had to say for our different processes, whether that's how we uh, do IT, deal with computers, Wi-Fi, that kind of thing, our website, signing up for events online, giving online, how do we keep track of our finances internally, Uh, everything from people's giving to our budgets for our different departments or campuses, all of those things are all part of our processes. So we said, who is actually being served? And Leslie, your team does a lot. Yeah, yeah communications. Mm-hmm. You guys work a lot with every member of our team. And so we finally said, look, our number one customer at Family Church is the campus pastor because the campus pastor is the tip of the spear for us. The person who's leading the church, the local group that gathers us to be the church in here before they scatter to be the church out there, the neighborhood pastor in the neighborhood building, which in the neighborhood people, that is our number one customer. And they might be paid, they might be bivocational, they might be a volunteer. And so we landed on on that person as our primary customer. But we yes. also talked a lot about how all of us are customers in some way. That's right. We have internal customers and we have external customers. So when you start thinking about that customer mindset and just identifying who is my customer, because if you took it to the campus pastor level, or if you took it to the student pastor level or the children's person, then you're actually, my customer is those kids and those parents right. or those volunteers that I'm working with. So the mindset, we're not just talking about a system and a process, but a mindset of thinking about who am I really serving here and who am I trying to benefit? And so the next thing we talked about doing is listen to your customer. Right. So, Easier said than done, exactly. isn't it? <laughs> so we just, you know, ask them, asking people for the gift of feedback and going to them and asking them questions about what you're doing and is this helping you or is this hindering you? And hearing what they have to say so that you know, because we think we're doing something that's so helpful and beneficial in our minds, but the person on the receiving end is finding it difficult or challenging. Right. So we have to listen to that and listen to what they're saying and look at our systems and processes to better serve them, not to better serve us, which can be a challenge. Because yeah, we really want it can. to be easier for us, right? not so much for them. And that's what we kind of discovered as we kind of looked at ourselves. We had to be willing to to listen carefully to the people that we're serving. And as we did that, we did discover, all of us and all of our teams discovered some areas where we kind of put our heads together and said, well, this is how we're going to serve the campus pastors because we're going to do this, this, and this. And they just, they're going to really like it. Yeah, but sometimes they don't really like it. And sometimes our system actually becomes a ball and chain that's holding them back instead mm-hmm. of rocket fuel that's propelling them forward. And so that would be true whether you're a, a, a volunteer, bivo, small church, big church, it, it really doesn't matter. So like if I'm a youth pastor, how about the way that I communicate with parents? Is that helping them or is it hurting them? Right. How about the way that we motivate or resource our Awana volunteers? If you have Awanas at your church, is that helping them or hindering them? So identifying who the customers are and then listening to your customers and getting the gift of feedback is very important. Thirdly, we said we've got to establish some ground rules if we're going to have this conversation because if I invite some people in and say, hey, I want you guys to talk to me a little bit about my leadership and how I run meetings and then, hey, maybe we'll get involved with how I communicate from the platform on Sunday mornings. Well, that's really personal stuff because this is what I, Jimmy Scroggins, actually do for a living. I like to think that I'm good at these things. And so inviting people into my kind of personal space and my personal responsibility and area of expertise is hard. But if I'm going to ask you for the gift of feedback, Mm -hmm. I've got to be willing to receive it. But in order to make 
the feedback easier to take for all of us, we established some ground rules. And so we said, we're going we're gonna to challenge ideas and processes, but we're going to affirm and bless people. That's right. And so I love that idea that we think we have the best people with the best hearts and the best of intentions. So we're going to be able to challenge ideas and processes, but we're going to affirm and bless people. And the reason that's so important is if you come and you say, Jimmy, you're an excellent leader. We know that you love us. You work so hard. Boy, you know, we, we love the vision, but... You know, when you run this particular meeting, we all kind of feel like there's some things that could make this meeting so much more effective. Well, I need to receive your gift of feedback, appreciate that you're affirming me as a person, but then, hey, you're challenging some of the ideas and processes that are affecting you because when you're in my meeting, you're my customer. And when we do that way, it helps us improve because it's not personal. So you're not attacking the person personally. You're just looking and you can look objectively as a person at your system and your process and separate yourself from that. This isn't about me. This is about the system or the process. Another few ground rules that we had was just active participation, Mm -hmm. listening for meaning, Mm -hmm. asking questions, and really just keeping it real and keeping it respectful. So just making sure that we're respecting each other as we talk to each other. And like you said, sometimes that's just the way you phrase something. It's not so much the what you want to communicate, but it's attacking not that person like, well, that's a terrible idea. Like, where did, <laughs> like, where did you ever come up with that idea? Right. You know, right. Can, some can be our reaction. Too personal. Yeah, a little too personal instead of too saying. Too difficult. Yeah. And, and I think even being able to remind each other the ground rules, because sometimes you can tell when you your feedback is solicited and then you try to give it and you can tell, wow, that one, that kind of hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. And just remind them, hey, listen, I love you. I believe in you. I'm so glad you're the leader of this team. But you asked, and this is a process that I do think could improve and just reminding them that that it's not personal. It's about the, it's about the process. And even the language, I think, that we used just a minute ago, the gift of feedback. Yeah, yeah. I like that because yeah. this is a gift. It's not an attack. It's not a... Something that I'm trying to injure you with, I'm giving right. you a gift. And I think so. it, I think that helps both in terms of how you receive the mm-hmm. gift of feedback, but also how you give the gift right. of feedback, right. right? So sometimes a gift is better based on the presentation. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a great thing to keep in mind. Right. Fourth thing is we said we're going to try to identify the areas that are most in need of improvement. When you look around a church like ours, our church is a fat, hot mess, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can pretty much just just start anywhere and you can start improving things if you want. And we know that and we're learning a lot and we're trying to do everything better, but you just can't tackle everything at once. You've got to find a few areas that are most in need of improvement. And I would just add to that, not only a few areas that are most in need of improvement, but a few areas that are both in need and that you actually have the capacity and the resources to actually improve. Right. So like if you say, well, our buildings are too old. Well, you may not actually be able to build new buildings. That might. So that's not really a process. You know, you got to think of processes because processes are easier to improve and usually a lot less expensive than actually upgrades to, you know, capital improvements are a little bit are a little bit different. So we're not necessarily talking about that. So find the areas, the process that are most in need of improvement. You can't tackle everything at once. And, and the way... What, what do you think is the best way to figure out which processes are most needed in need of improvement? Yeah, we really have to prioritize those things, like you said, because there's so many. So trying to identify what's most important to your customer. So not the thing, again, not thinking about yourself, what's going to make my job easier or better, but how can I 
quickly improve and deliver something that seems better to the person on the receiving end in the most immediate way possible. The things that are most in need of improvement. And then as you go through this process of doing this, you identify the areas and then you do want to create objectives for them and establish timelines. So as you go about it, people know, again, we talked about, I think, in our last podcast about communication, that as you start to go through this process and as you're identifying these areas and you're starting to talk about it amongst your team, keeping people informed so they know, okay, we've heard you, we know what you've said, we see these areas, we know there's a lot of areas of weakness, but these are going to be our priorities. Mm -hmm. And within the priorities, here are our objectives, and this is what we think our timeline's going to be. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. It's been so helpful to our team. Let's just give some examples, Leslie, of some areas where we've improved as a team. So one is just something as simple as our meetings. Mm -hmm. So we felt like our meetings could be more effective. So we actually moved some people around and got some of the right people in the right meetings. I got some people who are unnecessary out of some of the the meetings where they weren't as helpful. And we learned that by talking to our customers. Mm -hmm. And then just simple, something as simple as emphasizing, look, we need to do a better job of starting and ending our meetings on time because it frustrates people, our customers, when they can't count on exactly what time it starts and what time it ends. And we talked about, you know, making sure that every meeting has a written agenda ahead of time. There's just all kinds of things that we can talk about on another podcast, but those are just some areas that we found in need of improvement. So we we tackled a whole bunch of those. We did. Number five, let the people involved in the processes fix the processes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been crucial as well. That's right. And we just talked again about cross-functionality. And on these teams, we created some teams that were going to look at these processes and systems that needed improvement. And we made them cross-functional so that we would know that we were hitting all the areas that needed to be hit. And when I say cross-functional, I mean cross-functional in terms of ministry and also cross-functional in terms of organizational chart or hierarchy, which right. we don't really like to talk about so much, but it does exist in the organization. It does. So you I have, hate it, but it does. Yeah, you have the ground war people, the people that are actually boots on the ground carrying out the day-to-day tasks, and then you have the people who are thinking more strategically and taking, you know, planning ahead and taking control of the initiatives and having both of those people on the team so you get both perspectives. So the person that's up here, like sometimes we like to say the people who have all the ideas you know, there's the people that have all the ideas and the people who actually have to make the ideas happen. And so you got to get those yeah. people in the same room. You don't want to kill creativity. You don't want to kill initiative, mm-hmm. but you have to have a balance. Of right. This is, you know, we're dreaming about doing and well, this is what we actually have the people and resources to do at this present moment. Right. And I think the cross-functional conversation is crucial too, because like if you say, hey, we need to do a better job in our finance department, you know, doing a better job reporting quicker. So mm-hmm. people need to be able to find where they are in their budget quicker. And I'd say that's probably true in almost every church I've ever heard of. Well, if you just have the finance team to huddle up and try to come up with a better system for that, they will do something to improve. But it's so much more valuable to that team if they're getting the gift of feedback from people who are not on the finance team, who are living with the results and the product of the finance team. That's right. And that's what we mean by cross-functional. It's so valuable. Mm -hmm. Number six, create the conversations and empower people to actually improve. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of what we're learning to do as we did these little different task forces and these projects. We try to create conversations and help people actually improve. And then there's a really cool acrostic that we learned in this process. And so number seven, you want to rinse and repeat this whole process. That's why it's continuous improvement. And Leslie, tell me what the acrostic is. All right. So the acrostic is something called PDCA, 
which is plan, do, check, and adjust. So you make your plan and you run your process. So you, you look at your processes, your systems, you determine what they are and you run it and then you check how it's working and then plan it, you do it, then you check, see how it's working, and then you adjust it, you tweak it. That's how it right. becomes continuous improvement. So you, over time, as you look at your processes and you see those connection points where it's working really well, where this is happening just the way it's supposed to happen, and so the turnaround time is just exactly what it's supposed to be, the result that you want, you're getting that result maybe in one area of your process, but then you come down and you see, well, here... You know, on the next point, it doesn't happen so often. Mm -hmm. So how can we adjust that a little bit? And now our process is flowing, you know, better. It's flowing quicker. Right. We're getting a better result. And so you're always having to look at each aspect of your process. And that's that's not just a technical term. I mean, that works with people, too. If you're recruiting people, you know, how are we getting the people that we're talking to? And how are they coming to us how is that system working? And then once we get them, you know, the paperwork that need to be filled out and the background checks, how is that working? I mean, so it's not just, you know, creating IT or HR. Right, right. It deals with people, too, and getting them in your pipeline and working them through the pipeline and looking for those areas where you need to improve. Yeah, so PDCA, mm -hmm. Plan, Do, Check, Adjust. I mm -hmm. love that acrostic. And all of our listeners, church of any size, you can use that and it can help you. Hey, look, this has been a great process and one that we at Family Church are going to keep going because our mission and our vision are worth it. And I think that your mission and your vision where you are is worth it too to all of our church for the rest of us listeners. And we'll be doing some session on this in our Sharper Conference coming up March the 7th. So I'd love for you to register today at sharperconference.com. And Leslie and I look forward to being with you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.